everybody, I am Catalina and this is the Changemakers Podcast, a show exploring the sustainable development goals and highlighting thinkers and initiatives that are working towards achieving the UN's 2030 agenda. Today my guests are Meryl van der Waude and Hanya Holm, the creative strategist and the managing director at Butterfly Works, a social innovation studio that works with NGOs, governments, embassies and companies in over 20 emerging economies worldwide to co-create brighter futures. In this episode, we dive into Sustainable Development Goal 17, Partnerships for the Goals, and what paradigm shifts need to happen so that governments, the private sector, and the civil society start collaborating for a better, more sustainable future. Welcome, Meryl and Hanja, <laughs> to the Changemakers podcast. It is really a pleasure to have you here and hear more about your work at Butterfly Works, but also listen to your thoughts on the Sustainable Development Goal 17, which is Partnership for the Goals. So to get this started, can you guys share a little bit about who you are, what is Butterfly Works, and what brought you to work in this organization? Yes, so let me start. My name is Miro van der Wouden. I'm creative director at Butterfly Works and Butterfly Works is a social design studio. We apply co-creation and design thinking within international development. And we particularly focus on using this for the setup of educational experiences and communication campaigns. I've been together with Hanya at Butterfly Works for over 12 years. I came in as a designer fresh from the design Academy in Eindhoven and I came in because I was already interested in how do you design across cultures, across different backgrounds and how do you make design more of a collaborative process. And that is also my role within Butterfly Works is really facilitating co-creation process and looking at how to use design methods that is inclusive and brings in many different partners and different types of thinkers within the design process. Yeah. And my name is Hanya Holm, Managing Director at Butterfly Works. I came in more as a project manager and more an organizer, having a background in organizational anthropology. But looking at the humans behind and how they work in organizations, but also I was really interested to work in international development, but didn't feel that I was able or or willing or, well, I didn't want to actually work for an NGO, but I was really interested to work on projects that matter and that have social impact. And I was freelancing at the time and I met one of the founders at the other assignment I had. And then I was really intrigued by the work Butterfly Works was doing. And at that period, we were also piloting and experimenting quite a bit. And through the founders who have all, well, most of them have a design background. For them, design thinking or that way of working was natural. And over the past 13 years, we've made that more explicit. And also having uh, Meryl there also as a, with a design background, it was very logical for us to use design methods or design thinking in international development. And for me, that's become also very natural. And I'm now at the moment mostly also working on how can we build partnerships within international development and how can we work with as many possible stakeholders in this field to really collaborate and to really make the programs that everyone's doing make them user-friendly and also make them matter and also co-create the solutions. 
Uh, sounds really great. I mean, especially in development work, uh, it's important to use design thinking and focus on the people who are affected by the solutions we design. And talking about collaboration, what do you think is the importance of collaboration and partnership building to achieve the sustainable development goals? Yeah, so for us, it's a very natural way of working. We're sort of in between many different types of organizations. As we said, we mostly work with organizations within international development, but we don't see ourselves as an NGO. We work a lot with design studios and creatives, but we're also not an, like an average design studio. So in all our projects, we need people from all these different fields. At the small scale, we do it in all our projects. If we design an educational solution, we need to talk to both the government and the parents and the teachers and the people who develop the educational materials and the students themselves, of course. And more and more, we see that many of the solutions that we work on, and I think there's also more willingness of organizations to look at problems more in a systemic matter and seeing how, for instance, education is not, you cannot tackle education alone. You also need to have a look at agriculture that is maybe linked to it or import export civil society so how do you make sure that when you work on a project that you look at all these different aspects and i think you can only do that by collaborating so for us it's a really sort of natural starting point and when we do a project we always bring in people from other sectors who are maybe already have experience on a specific element but we do see that it's it's hard for organizations to do that, that it's very easy to get back to your own, you work on your own expertise and you start working on your own island. You mentioned that you worked a lot with international development organizations, right? So what were maybe some of like really interesting projects that you've been part of, like some really impactful projects yeah, that inspired you? We're part of a couple of very bigger long-term projects. So one of them is together with Oxfam working on youth employment, where it's a four-year project and we're continuing starting the, the next four years. So that also allows us to really dive in a bit deeper. And in this project we did last year, we did a system design session together with youth and partners from the private sector and the different NGOs and also the other NGOs who are working on the same topic but get different funding. So we had the opportunity to get a look at what is our vision, what do we want to see changed if we want to change the future of work, and how can we make that visual in a way so that we're not all doing our own program but we're actually some parts we're handing over to another partner because they might have a bigger impact. And I think that was really inspirational for me because you see that everybody wants that but it's very hard to actually do that in your daily work. Yeah, and if I can add to that, so this is really where we could also, yeah, maybe support the system thinking and really collaboration, but also in collaboration and working together with other partners, you really need to be also complementary. So we're working with Wordchild who have this big program, it's called Can't Wait to Learn. It's really focusing on training youth or children in refugee camps. And it's a serious game and it's, it's gamified learning and they really have experts on the game design and they have experts on the topics or on the, the, the educational materials and we are the co-creation partner to really make sure that it's also working for the youth both in visuals and the content they get 
And this is really a project that's also like a multi-million project because it's also scalable and they've done that in four countries and they're upscaling it to way more countries. And they really see the added value of each time really also working with the youth and the children and making it really child friendly. And I think that's also something we can be really proud of because then we play a small part in this bigger project that's like multi-million. But it's really showing like how important it is that within collaborations and partnerships, you yeah, it's like a puzzle that fits together. And yeah, that's also something we're really proud of. Yeah, because in that project, it's an educational program. And in every country, they put a lot of time in collaborating with the government. So they're not trying to take over a role of the government, but they're supporting them. They're working on many different levels and each level is very time consuming but everybody's sort of respected on their own expertise and still contributing to the bigger part of it, which is, I think, really special. And I think this next question is more addressed to Hanya, <laughs> because as I understand, you are kind of the, the person who's more responsible for the whole partnership building. And you now, especially working with governments, I can assume that it's very hard to you know, bring everyone's interests around the same table and convince partners to join a specific project or get involved or support in some sort of way. So how do you approach, you know, this whole partnership building? How do you find partners and how do you convince them to get on board on a specific project? Well, we work demand driven. So we have well our method of working and well we've built our network of partners. We call them our ambassadors and then they often come to us whenever they have a program or project that they need support on well, in further developing it or doing design research. So, and we also make explicit how we could support. I think our direct partners at the moment are mainly NGOs or INGOs and, and social enterprises. Then if we are in the phase of like after ideation and we do a co-creation workshop, then we try and also invite the different stakeholders. So in that sense, Actually, it's not directly me who's doing that, but it's often the local partner and the local implementing partners that we do also, well, we ask them, please do invite government and corporate partners and creatives. I think that is at some points it's very difficult and at some points it's not because I do think that many of our local partners, they, for example, they do work with governments. It's more the mix of people that you bring together in a room because it's hardly ever that the different stakeholders come together for a couple of days and really get to understand each other's needs as well. And because you bring in those different users and you really get them on the same level of understanding. So it's both the end users that, that, that the program is developed for, but it's also, for example, if it's a training module, it's also the teachers and it's also the government who needs to implement, but it's also the experts on this topic. And it's also the creators that might make the e-learning or the, the visuals for it. And then it's our team that is like kind of the facilitator of that process and that understanding and coming to a concept at the end of that basis. So I think what we see more and more is that within international development, design thinking and co-creation, and we have almost 20 years experience that's really appreciated and it's seen as something that adds value. And more and more, they also come to us to work together. And for us, it's crucial to not only work with them as our clients, but also more and more we work with the, the networks we're building in the countries we work in. So that's creative networks, but also partners that use the same methods or that use parts of design thinking. And that's really quite crucial in this, this way of working. And maybe to add, I think 
very simply what we often do is if you're in a discussion about a new program or a project or how are you going to solve it, I think we often play the role in saying, yeah, but isn't somebody already doing this and shouldn't we collaborate and aren't we? And I know that Hanya often does this in these conversations that are a bit more at the start of a project where you're starting up a new partnership, just highlighting who else should be on this table and let's ask them. I think it can be as simple as just bringing it up in a conversation and rather than saying, yes, we have to do this. Because in the end, I think it's a lot about competing for the same budgets. So it's also about making people aware that yeah, you shouldn't just get the money because you, you want your own organization to keep running, but you should be very critical on who else should be part of this. And what were some of your main learnings from working with different partners and from getting involved in some of the projects happening around the world? I think it's really important to make the role of each partner very clear and to also make that clear to them so that they know that they can take a leadership role in that. And then at the same time, being aware of the power relations that exist. Because if you have if you have these big international NGOs and they have their local partners, there is, of course, a, a power relationship. And, and the local partners might not always speak up because they want to show that they're reaching impact. And the same, then there's a donor above that. And so making that very explicit and also yeah, putting things open for debate on being able to flag when things are going wrong or should go differently. And I think we've learned in that quite a bit because, well, it's been sometimes the case that we were asked to come into a project whereby it was decided or it was the, the need was seen for example, within a country office in the Netherlands or in Europe, and then we would be working with the local country offices whereby they weren't so aware of what our role was or what we needed to be. So for us, it's been one of the lessons, like try to involve the local partners as soon as possible. We've also learned that using design thinking or co-creation or innovations, it's also a longer process. It's a mindset change, and you cannot do that just with within one project. So next to the fact that we show how we work and we do learning by doing it's also we do introductions to what is human-centered design or design thinking and what are the basics and how can you learn it and it's it's a long process and it's not something that you can learn within one workshop it's both and for us it's also that way it's really interesting to see how we can have longer term working relationships And we see that ideally we work with organizations whereby we can transfer our methods and work together. And then at one point we step out again. And that's also our goal. It's not our goal that they always have to call us whenever they want to follow this process or use some of the tools. We we really try to make that uh, transferable for our partners. Yeah. Mm -hmm. One last point on that is that I think very often I think that's in all sectors, people start working on a solution. They have a cool idea that they want to work on. And really taking the time to make sure that you're on the same page on what is the problem that you're solving. So what is your vision together? And sometimes also being very explicit on the sort of underlying values, because co-creation doesn't mean that you can go anywhere. Some boundaries are good to set. So to be clear on what are sort of basic values that have to be in the program. And then it could be that some partners you bring in don't agree with those. And then I think you should say, okay, then on this, we cannot work together. So I think making things explicit at the start is something that's often sort of 
you have to get running and the project has to get going and it's and people say no but we've already done that we know what is the problem but taking the time to make it really explicit what you're actually trying to solve and what are sort of preconditions that's really important and zooming out a little bit on a more global level so in order to basically tackle and solve problems such as environmental destruction and social inequality and poverty and access to quality education. All of these things require basically not only one government to take responsibility for something or an organization, but, you know, the collaboration between many different players and not only within a country, but cross-national as well. So, and this is very hard to do, of course, because everyone has their own interests and it's very hard to let go of that. So what, in your opinion, are the biggest challenges that we need to overcome as a global society to be able to facilitate more collaborations between more different players from, from the public sector or from the private sector. Yeah, I think to me this is also about as an organization being very critical on why are you there? What is your purpose? And like I just said, in a partnership being very clear on what are your shared values and working on that. I think also because within these big INGOs and NGOs, there is a lot of competition. And often they want to reach the same goals, but they also have a big need to be visible, to show their own impact as a brand. Yeah, so sometimes I wonder, can we get rid of all the brands and sort of <laughs> work more on a joint problem together? So I think that's one of the things and we often, with these organizations, we see that there's a, so there's a communication team and a branding team, the people who are responsible for showing the story towards the public of what this organization is doing. And then there's a team that's actually working in the countries with the people they're serving. And they're sometimes quite disconnected. So the story is aimed at showing the public how needy the people are, because that's what drives people to send in money. And for me, I would really like a shift in that, is that we're not showing like we have to support people in these poor countries, but that it becomes more a collaboration and it's more about equal distribution and not one helping the other, but it's much more of a collaboration. We haven't found the golden bullet on how to solve that problem, but that's sort of what we're trying to do and also in how you communicate about your projects towards the people in your own country and your own team, I think is already a good starting point. I'm not making it, um, we're helping, we're doing something for good, but it's more like we're doing something for all of us. Mm -hmm. Yeah, very good point. I was always a little bit wondering or struggling with this thing that yeah. sort of having that message that people in this country, you know, they need your help. It kind of creates a power distance between different countries. And it's sometimes I feel like it can create more damage than actually help because I feel like it's more important to empower people locally to manage that change instead of sending aid all the time. But at the same time, that's so difficult and it's still within the whole system. And for example, we are now also building this group of organizations and well, some call it community-led development or human-centered design or at least really taking people serious that you work with, you know, and, and I'm not coming to help you. Let's work together and let's share our knowledge and let's, you know, so 
And for us, it's still quite often that you do see that it's really difficult for many organizations in how they work, but also how they frame themselves, because many of them are also dependent on a lot of funds. Eh? So, so also for the general public, that way of how they present themselves, well, yeah, it can change or that can be uh, diff- of, uh, important for them to say like, hey, we're helping these poor people. But indeed, and I think that needs to shift. And I think if we can shift the way we think about it, but also the organizations and also what language we use and the way we work and really make a community led. But that really means that sometimes it will bring solutions that you, from your point of view, don't understand or you think like, hey, but no, 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 I know it better. And so it's really difficult. And I think also for ourselves. And we try to really make it more equal and everyone is an expert in his own or his or her own field. And, but it's really difficult because there are so many layers and also, yeah, sometimes you come in and people have ideas and you think like, hey, I've seen that in other countries and it's not working. And then again, yeah, you know, if this is really something that came out of the community and people are feel very confident that this is, let's try it out. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's also quite confronting because you have to be really clear on what you're bringing as an organization eh? or as a foreigner going into a place. Why are you going into and what is your expertise that you're bringing and what is your relationship with the people you're working with? And I think that goes at many levels. So it's at how do you communicate to the outside world, say your donors who give you money on the relationship with the people you work with and also internally like how much do you really listen to what people want to have changed in their country or in their context and have you also had experience working with private sector like did any or like a big corporations did they also involved in, in any of the projects that you guys did so in some of the bigger projects where we're working with these big ngos they have also some private sector partners We've done a couple of smaller assignments for some private sector organizations doing design research. We would really like to do that more. I think it's a matter of building a stronger network. And what we sometimes see is that we get connected to the CSR department, where we actually think we should be talking to the normal business, because you should see people as a target group for your own business. We're starting a little bit in this sector and we would like to Mm -hmm. we would like to do that a lot more awesome okay so coming back to you (laughs) what is kind of this change or the impact that you would like to contribute to in your lifetime yeah i can speak for myself personally but it really links to what we do at butterfly works is yeah really making sure that people have the tools and the self-esteem and the capacity to express their interests and so facilitating a model where you can have a a real dialogue and an exchange between different people and ultimately i hope that that will lead to a more an equal world as in where resources are equally distributed but maybe even more this perspective change of people is that people don't see themselves as maybe not even superior but the fortunate ones over people in other countries and that it becomes much more People become more curious about others and want to learn more from other people's experiences without seeing them as poor or vulnerable or disadvantaged. Mm -hmm. What about you, Hanya? Yeah, for me, it's really 
nice to see that, well, we've been in working in this field a long time and I think you really see and I really enjoy it, the shift in where people really are interested in our way of working. And I'm not saying that this is the best way, but you also see more organizations doing that and it's really exciting. I was at Afrolabs last year and there I met all these great people that were also doing design thinking, human-centered design in Botswana. And you see more and more. So I see that there's a shift from international development going into social enterprises. And that really makes me very happy that you do see that, yeah, there's more collaboration. So that's what I hope. I really enjoy seeing the collaborations and looking at what is the social impact and also linking it to entrepreneurship and at the same time shifting that power dynamics. That would be ideal because that I think is still not there and it's also fixed in the system. And it also has to do with, well, within international development, a lot of money is donor driven. And it's quite ridiculous how that system is set up or it's, it's really difficult. It's with all these log frames that you have to fill in. And, and, and if you wanna get money, you have so many things you have to abide by as an organization and, and within the projects. And there's hardly any room for experimentation or making mistakes or doing things wrong. And those systems, I really hope that more and more we see that changing and whereby yeah, maybe donors see the added value more of collaboration than really fitting their programs into log frames and, and KPIs and, and that you meet all the administrative requirements because there's so much money going to those things. And I think that's a shame. Yep, totally agree. And now that you mentioned that, I'm also thinking that when there are donors, let's say raising funds or giving funds you know for social impact projects sometimes the evaluation probably or like how do you say the, the review must be much harsher than it is probably in a more private or commercial sector so there's more room for experimentation probably in the private sector than it is in the social innovation social entrepreneurship sphere yeah yeah unfortunately because, yeah there's there's no room for making mistakes or yeah. trying out new things because then then what's the impact and we were discussing it yesterday in one of our programs and it also has to do with investments and startups and i was again like some of our partners said like yeah maybe the first time a startup fails but then that entrepreneur has learned so much and they take it into the next startup and then that or that other one and then it can become very big and then and how do you measure how many jobs are created well maybe the first year there's not so many but then it takes some time so so not everyone follows the same path and that makes it difficult if there's donors and donor requirements and all these boxes to tick because the boxes don't match with reality yeah <laughs> unfortunately <laughs> so i really hope that we can get closer and closer to the vision that you just said of more equality and less power distance and final question to also end on an inspirational note and inspire the listeners of this podcast what small step can the listeners of this podcast start taking today to be more involved in the social innovation sector and become or make a step closer to, to more equality and less power distance yeah i would say reach out to other people and connect and really ask others what they are working on or what is interesting to them and, and try and as hard as it is maybe try and zoom out a little bit of your own activities or daily work and look at what is the end goal you want to achieve and then just make sure you connect to others who have that same vision even if it start with very unconcrete ideas but share what you're doing and be transparent, I would say. Just be open in what you're doing and share whatever you're developing so others can work with that as well. 
Yes, and that's really difficult. And at the same time, I truly believe like sharing is also something like open up what have you learned? What can others do and have an open mindset and ask questions, Meryl said, and then I say and truly listen, because I think people don't truly listen to what the other person is saying because they have their own thinking. So I think there are some things you can start doing by truly listening and opening up to what others are doing and, and see the small hooks where you can start doing things together because together you can create many nice new things. Awesome. Thank you so much for being part of this and for, for sharing all these insights and great experience that you guys had. Thank you. Thank too. you. Thank you for listening. This was the Changemakers podcast with Meneral van de Waude and Hanya Holm from Butterfly Works on Sustainable Development Goal 17, Partnerships for the Goals. If you like this episode, share it within your community and connect with me on Instagram at change.makers.stories and on LinkedIn. You can find all these relevant links in this episode's description. If you are curious about the Sustainable Development Goals and initiatives that are working towards the UN's 2030 agenda, subscribe to the show on SoundCloud, Spotify or iTunes and don't miss the upcoming episodes. Thank <laughs> you.